Welcome to another podcast from the BCC team. Our aim is to bring you a message that will help you live a better, more God-centered life. For more information, go to bcc.church. It's great to be able to mess around with things a little bit. And this morning we've, we've uh, moved and we put our features over the, the offering time. And uh, we're, we're experimenting on how to just make sure we engage and have closeness with the Holy Spirit and with God and yet get through the service, if that makes sense. And, uh, and today specifically, uh, we're looking to have a time when the Holy Spirit will speak to us in this meeting. So um, I know many of you are praying already today about what God is going to do. And uh, there's, I'm just really excited. I was standing there at the beginning uh, in the worship, and I just found myself choking up all the time. I don't know if you felt the atmosphere like I did. I really felt God's presence in this meeting, and still do. I feel his presence here, uh, which is exciting. Exciting because when you know God is in the room, then something's going to happen. Uh, it doesn't matter how uh, much we know of him or how much we don't know of him, just being in the room with God means something's going to change. And, and this morning, uh, that's going to be the, ha- the, the case. So this morning, uh, we've been looking at this particular Sunday for a few weeks already, knowing that this Sunday, um, it's not only November the 5th, <laughs> Uh, where where we have bonfires and fireworks, but we are expecting fireworks in this service, let me tell you. We're expecting the power of God's Spirit to be in here today, and he's already here. And uh, so the title of this morning is Discovering the Holy Spirit. Discovering the Holy Spirit. And uh, many of you, this is a Pentecostal church. Some may not think so at times, but uh, we're a Pentecostal heritage church. But we're very contemporary. We don't do anything weird and wacky. We just want the authenticity of God to touch our lives. And we see that in many ways in the life of the church. And uh, as we move into this, the reason it's the power of the Holy Spirit is because we're going into Acts chapter 19. Paul goes to Ephesus. And Acts chapter 19 is possibly, apart from Pentecost itself, and and Acts 8 actually with Philip and Samaria. Uh, And we'll talk about that a bit during this meeting. But but in Acts 19, there's a moment where something happens with the Apostle Paul, and it kind of almost lays a template for how uh, believers move in the power of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to look at that. So this morning, maybe you are a, someone who's, who understands who the Holy Spirit is. Maybe you're very comfortable with that knowledge, but maybe you're not comfortable. Can I just ask you not to worry, but we're going to uh, just create an opportunity for God to not only minister through his word today, but we're going to be praying for people at the end. Now, normally on a Sunday, we don't do that. I mean, we do pray for people, but today we've created more space here at the front. And there's a reason because we want this thing that God is doing, are going to do today to be accessible. Um, I keep going on about this. Today I'm beginning a new thing. This is what the Holy Spirit spoke to me about personally in the prayer meeting, the final night of the prayer and fasting week. And I can't get away from this. He keeps saying to me, I'm doing a new thing. I'm doing a new thing. And so don't be surprised if something new is going on in your life in a way that you didn't expect. Because God messes around with your marketplace role. You know that. He will. He did it with me. I know exactly what he does. When God gets your life in his hands, it's not just, um, it's not just, come into church or go into a small group or the routines. God messes your routines up and he's going to mess them up. I'm telling you, when he says, I'm doing a new thing, watch out because everything's going to get messed up. And he does it deliberately. You know why? Because he wants you to trust him. 
That's what it's all about. It's him being the one that you trust, not, not yourself and not your marketplace opportunity, your work, your career. Your, 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 maybe you're a stay-at-home parent and you're looking after kids. God's going to do a new thing. What could he do in that setting? What could he do with your neighbours? He's doing a new thing. And as we look at this, I'm excited. So, um, so we'll just dive straight in there. Hopefully you can read that. It's a bit on the light side. But um, we're going to start with Acts 19, verse 1. And uh, we read that Paul... Um, has, has, um, well, Paul and Apollos were in Corinth. Paul travelled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus, which is kind of modern-day uh, Turkey, on the coast where he found, se- he found several believers. Now, this is interesting, this. I probably should have given myself a bit more time, but I wanted to know a bit more about these several believers because these believers had to have been believers in the Messiah, but they weren't quite fully, fully um, aware of what God was about to do. And there are plenty of people who might call themselves Christians. If you go to a hospital and they say, what's your religion? You know, unless you know you're a different religion, most people would say either, you know, no faith or Christian. And in Britain, actually, is more than 50 to 60% of the population would say Christian. But how many are actively engaged or involved or relationally connected with a good, healthy local church? Well under 5% in Britain. So there's a 45 55% gap where people might say, well, I believe in God. I would call myself Christian by name, but actually they've got a whole gap. And, and, uh, and I think that's what this is. I think this is what's going on here. People who've encountered something of God somewhere in their life... Uh, in this case, it would have been quite recently because this, this New Testament birthing of church is quite new. But these, these, these believers that Paul found were really genuine people. They're good people. They're people who really want to do the right thing. But they're just at a point where they're believers, but they're not quite sure what all of that story is. And that's where Paul, uh, where the, the book of Acts takes us, um, Dr. Luke, who wrote it, takes us in. Um, are we clear about the work of the Holy Spirit? Are we really clear about it? Are we clear about who he is? Because he is a person. He is a member of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They're the Trinity. We believe in um, God as three in one. Um, So are we comfortable with who the Holy Spirit is? Do we really know about him? Um, In the New Testament, he's mentioned more than 350 times. In the book of Acts, 63 times, um, there's a direct, which I was surprised at. I thought I'd see like 300 of the 350 would be in Acts. But actually, Jesus spoke a lot about the Holy Spirit. And then, of course, when you hit the book of Acts, um, it's interesting. Now, I want to give you a quote here this morning. Jesus, our first advocate, speaks to God the Father for you. Remember, we know there is one mediator between man and God, the man Jesus Christ. That's quoting directly from the the New Testament, the Word of God. Jesus, you might be thinking, why am I calling Jesus an advocate? Because he is an advocate. Jesus, our first advocate, speaks to God the Father for you. But the second advocate, the Holy Spirit, speaks to you for you. Have you ever thought about the weight of what this is saying? There is one mediator between man and God, the man, Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for many, uh, the gift given at the proper time. That's who Jesus Christ is. He's before the Father. And he, he prays for us. He prays for you. He's your number one prayer support partner. Did you know that? Jesus knows you, and he stands before the Father and, and, and shouts your celebration and mine. 
But the second advocate, the Holy Spirit, speaks to you for you. So in other words, God wants us to know all about him, but he's speaking to us through the Holy Spirit. It's really quite a, a profound statement, this. And I'm going to show you something. Jesus made a number of really strong statements about who the Holy Spirit is in the book of in the Gospel of John. And John records quite a lot of the detail. Hopefully you can see this. The Holy Spirit speaks to us. Now, I, when I put, put this together, I'd never actually summarized what the Holy Spirit does quite as concisely as I've done for us this morning. This is really exciting. And I want you to take a photocopy of the, or a photo, you know, phone shot of this on the screen. Because we won't be able to go into all the verses simply because of time. But, but the Holy Spirit speaks to us for us. Right? The Holy Spirit does that. The Holy Spirit is our advocate. Now, I'm going to show you this because Jesus said it himself in the Gospel of John. Before he'd even left the earth, before the Pentecost had even come. Jesus is the one, the one who is before the Father. The Holy Spirit is the one in us who speaks to us about what's going on upstairs, so to speak. And let me just tell you, this is what Jesus said about him. Jesus said he's our helper. And in fact, in John 14, 16, he says, another advocate will come. You can't say another advocate if you're not already the advocate. Do you see it? And many of us think of, oh, the Holy Spirit's the advocate. You forget that Jesus Christ himself is your advocate. So you have this dual role in the kingdom of God, where God is the Father. And by the way, God the Father, he just wants that closeness of relationship. Jesus says, I point everybody to the Father. Well, it's, this is what's so extraordinary. And it's a powerful, powerful uh, way of understanding this. But he is, the Holy Spirit is our helper. And John, uh, in John we read that Jesus said, another advocate will come. And, um, and then he says in John 14, 26, he will remind us of what Jesus taught. He will remind us. Now, I'm not, this, my lines there are not the quote from the, I'm just summarizing the verse. You need to look up the verse, which is why I said take a photo. But Jesus said that the Holy Spirit will remind us of what Jesus had taught. So those moments in the week when you're not quite sure what to do, that Holy Spirit, it's not your brain. This is where you, <laughs> you think you're smart. It's not. The Holy Spirit is the one who will remind you of what Jesus taught. Right? Your brain is busy doing stuff the world likes to do. Your, when you hear God whisper, that's the Holy Spirit. And we, you know, the devil will tell you you're not hearing from God. It's a load of rubbish. You are hearing from God every day, and it's the devil who tries to crowd that out and try and convince you you're not close to God. It's not true. Jesus said he is our helper, our advocate. He reminds us of what Jesus taught us. When you get that prompt, that thought, ah, and you remember something of a service or a small group or your devotional time or your prayer time, that's the Holy Spirit doing that. He's reminding you. He testifies about Jesus in John. It says in John 15, uh, 26, he will testify. He will tell us about Jesus. He's, gonna, he's making statements about Jesus into your life. He's speaking directly to us, for us. And this is interesting. He will convict the world of sin, righteousness, and the coming judgment in John 16, 8. Right. This is not condemnation on believers. This is what the Holy Spirit does in the world. Now, do you get this? Who likes evangelism? Actually, I love it. I love it. I love the thrill of the encounter because I know greater is in, he who's in me than he's in the world. I know it. I know it. I know that when I speak to someone and I have the word of God, the word of Christ in my mouth and in my heart, 
that I'm in partnership with the Holy Spirit. Because what is he doing? He is convicting the world of sin, righteousness, and the coming judgment. God's righteousness. He's not, the Holy Spirit's doing that. As soon as you're in a context to speak to someone, the Holy Spirit's already doing that. He may have already done it the day before or the week before. And that's why people just turn up at BCC and say, well, I don't know why I came here, but I just thought I need to go to that church. Why? Because, well, I'm not saying that necessarily there's a conviction of sin and righteousness, but that's what God is doing. He's, the Holy Spirit's doing that. But for those who haven't found faith, but they're looking for truth, that's what he does. And he brings those people folks into our world he'll bring them into our church service so when when we do things like take a gospel of john you know john and i am gospel all you're doing is playing another piece of the the you're in the chain link of enabling that person to get the truth but if you don't do it will god work outside well he's already working outside of you he'll probably work with someone else to reach that person and it's us who pay the price because he's, he's whispering, go on, get in there, get in there. Go on, tell them, ask them about their weekend. Ask them about what their favorite food is. Ask them what they watch on telly. Uh, get into the conversation. Do you know who Jesus is? You know, we saw yesterday, we, there were a few of us who were at a, a conference yesterday morning, and we were reminded that over 50% of our population are very interested and open to talk about who Jesus is. 50% of the population. I'm telling you, God is, God is doing something in our nation. Way bigger than we may think. I'm telling you, it's huge. He's already in people. And he's, you know, there are many in the city who belong to me. We looked at that a couple of weeks back. There are many already there. And God's, what's he doing? He's putting, the Holy Spirit is bringing a sense of conviction about what's wrong and right. You don't have to prove to people what's wrong. You don't. You just need to be you. You just need to be you. So, and, and love them. So then John 16, 13, he will guide us into all truth. Again, how's he going to guide us? He's not going to sort of shove you where you don't want to be. He's going to speak to you. He's going to say, ah, oh, come on, look at this, look at this, remember that. So the Holy Spirit's talking all the time. In your life, that's what the Holy Spirit's doing. He's talking to you all the time. And so often we, you know, the other things get in the way. And what does he do? John 16, 14, he glorifies Jesus. Now, this is quite a funny You have to read it for yourself. It says, um, he glorifies Jesus by telling us what Jesus is wanting us to know. That's basically what it is. So it says, I think in the scriptures, it says, says he takes from Jesus and gives it to us. So he's bringing us what Jesus wants us to know. That's how he does it. And that brings glory to Jesus Christ himself. So you see, the Holy Spirit, he's not passive. Your whole week has been full of the Holy Spirit whether you like it or not, or whether, not that you don't like it, but whether you've really thought about it or not, the Holy Spirit's been active in every life in this room all week. When you turn up today, he's been doing stuff in your world all week, and it's special to you, unique to you, but relevant to us because we're a, a body of people. So isn't that exciting? So, And then that's why Jesus says in John 16, verse 7, Therefore... It's to your advantage that I go, right? Because another advocate will come. Another advocate. It's to your advantage because otherwise Jesus the man has got to be in every situation you're in all the time. But the Holy Spirit. So it enables us to see God and understand God and the power of his word multiply. Paul says, therefore, you should be being filled in the Holy Spirit. You should be being... Present, continuous, future tense. Be being filled. If you don't feel full of the Holy Spirit, if you don't feel empowered by the Holy Spirit, this morning I want you to be. 
I want you to be. I don't want the demonic to rob you of what is yours. I don't want the, the work of the darkness to, to, to crowd out the noises you get. This morning, this is yours. God, you are a son or a daughter of Christ. And if you don't know him, then, then you need to know him. And then when you come to know him, then you can have the Holy Spirit as well. That's how it works. And the Holy Spirit comes into us. He dwells in us. So it's exciting. You know, last week, um, as you... Oh, the week before last, actually, the whole week's gone by already. Um, got back on Monday, but but it was as you know, I was in India, and by God's grace, ended up being the the main speaker to two and a half thousand Indian church planters, and um, it was interesting. It was hot, thirty five degrees. It was it was interesting. Actually, was, they they made us sit on the stage, which is very, it's like having leaders all sitting on the stage watching, and they had us on sofas. It was like kind of weird, really, but big big old tent, and actually they had to because it's so hot. They had this big kind of propeller fan on the side of the stage. It wasn't too noisy, but it had a big blade. It must have been that, that wide. You know, you could, this thing was blowing cool air. And someone just sitting along from me sneezed. <laughs> I'm telling you, I felt the spray. As this, <laughs> it, they hadn't realised it. They thought, well, I won't, you know, bless. It was just one of those moments. I, I just think it must have been dust or something, but I, I just, I didn't catch anything. So praise God. I came home whole, which was really good. A first for me. So I just thought I'd just show you a couple of pictures from India. But these guys can only do what they do because of the power of the Holy Spirit. There's too much persecution. You know, I had, we had six armed guards. I said, there's a photo of two guys with rifles. I mean, literally, as I, this is the back of the, the tent. It's not too sophisticated. But that had, you know, could take over 2,500 people inside it. And this is the back of it. And the bottom right corner is the front of it. And at the, this front corner end, that little kind of mouse entrance, is where normally my security staff, you know, with his gun, big moustache, it was quite funny. Anyway, I'm thinking, is that a real gun? And, and it's like that tall. And there's six of them with these. But I discovered this area is quite well known for terrorist activity. Thanks very much for telling me in advance. But, but um, I don't think it's such a risk now, but they don't take any precautions. And uh, anyway, but it, it, it was, this is the outside. This is the inside. Now, look, these are all church planters, right? You get the feel. It was very humbling. They had this huge platform, this huge screen on with the speakers, you know, all the time. And I'm thinking, hello. <laughs> anyway, and it, also I discovered on the, in the first meeting that, uh, and I was opening the whole thing uh, on the first night, um, it's being put on TV and it's got a footfall of, well, it goes out to 1.4 billion people. <laughs> but actually there's a, there's a following of about 20 million people watching this and I'm thinking, hello? <laughs> so, and these church planters, 2,500, they're just part of the bigger, wider network of church planters who are seeing the power of God move amazing. I said to the organisers, I said, really, I'm not qualified to speak because these guys have done a lot more than I've done and they just said no just come with who you are just be who you are God will speak to us you see that's what we got to do they they witnessed with that and sure enough thousands of people been touched by God some miracles happened and then when you find out you know it's just it's just really humbling but uh, but there's 600,000 believers in India that are being led by these church planters 600,000 believers and it's multiplying it's accelerating 
It's accelerating. And we're seeing that in the UK as well, that there's an acceleration of interest in the church. So discovering the Holy Spirit, let's jump off that. Did you re- this Verse 2, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? That's what, um, what was asked here in Paul to the, these Ephesians. He asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? No, they replied. We haven't even heard about uh, that there is a Holy Spirit. Hadn't even heard about it. And so often in Britain, there's a lot of people who don't even don't know who the Holy Spirit is. They don't even know who Jesus is, actually. Uh, they might call themselves Christians. They don't know who Jesus was. They don't know much about the faith that we carry. Um, but in this case, these authentic followers, trusting in a Messiah, effectively they're kind of, kind of pre-Christian, I guess. That's the easiest way of, of doing it. Um, we haven't even heard that there's a Holy Spirit. So, so, you know, Jesus, our object of our faith is not the Holy Spirit. Our object is Jesus Christ. Our faith is totally in Jesus Christ. In fact, in some ways, you don't kind of need to know all the theology about the Holy Spirit to receive him. And that's why don't be put off or stop this morning, depending on what God does. But, but, um, but he's working whether we choose to engage him or not. He's working. And uh, God's power comes to us by the Holy Spirit. So uh, he goes on to describe water baptism. Then what baptism did you experience? So he's just asking them, what is your experience? What, what's your journey been? He asked them, they replied, the baptism of John. Now we know John the Baptist. Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus. You see, that's why <laughs> baptism doesn't have to wait six months. It doesn't have to wait three weeks. It can be next week. So if you give your life to Christ today, you could get baptised next week. Well, again, we've just got to fill the tank. and We, we like to be organised. Um, actually, it would be kind of tricky if there was no water in it. But um, we'd have to find an alternative plan. Our other facilities on site are not that impressive. So, <laughs> um, But do you see the speed of this? It's just a matter of just doing it. Get on with it. And that's what this is all about. Acts is about getting on with it, not just mulling over it, thinking, God, but what about this? What about that? Just get on with it, because that's, that's what the kingdom of God is about. Get on with it. You know? And um, so he talks about water baptism. Now I like this. All those who put their faith in Jesus Christ are immediately and permanently indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Right, so there's no second-class Christianity if you feel that you've not had that Holy Spirit encounter. The Spirit of God, I can prove it from Romans. It says, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Amen. See, he was, he was talking to you before I was, and he was talking to you before you were. <laughs> he was talking to you before. Do you get that? Before you even talk to yourself about, do I believe? He was already talking to you. See, the Holy Spirit is talking to us. He's the advocate who's doing that work in advance. And so when we come to faith, you can only do that authentically, if the Holy Spirit's worked in your heart. You can't do it under your own strength. You cannot take credit for your own salvation. That's what we know from theology. That's what we believe, and that's what we understand. So God lives in us. So receiving the Holy Spirit, Paul then goes on a little step further. Then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. They were about 12 men in all, just a small group, 12 men. This is the start of the really powerful move of God in Ephesus, 12 people. And uh, he just laid hands on them and the Holy Spirit came upon them. So it's, it's, the, Holy, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He, he's God. He's a person. And 
he is with us and he comes onto our situation. And some of us call, call that another baptism. And there's no harm in doing it because it's, it's similar in its nature, but it's got nothing to do with immersion or water in that sense. Um, but this is interesting. Um, they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Speaking in tongues is a kind of prophecy anyway. It's just so you don't understand what it is. And it is a language. It's a God-given, Holy Spirit, kingdom language. It may sound a bit odd. Don't worry about it. It just is what it is. And let me just tell you, um, and it was just, I, I, I struggled because I'm a thinker. I struggled. When I came to faith, I thought, I'm not really a Pentecostal. I'm a Baptist. You know, so baptism was cool for me. But Pentecostalism was a little less cool because I, I had to work that through in my head. But I got baptized in the baptistry in this church. And a, a short guy, a short me called Ron, baptized me. And he just managed to avoid my head whacking the back wall. But when I came up out of the water, that's when I got filled with the Holy Spirit. That's when the Holy Spirit landed on me, so to speak. I was baptized um, by the Holy Spirit when I was baptized in water. It happened exactly the same one after the other. I literally came up out of the water and I stood there and I, you know what went through my mind? I had, I had that thought, which I thought was just me, but it was the Holy Spirit speaking to me, like I just said, he's speaking to us all the time. And he said, just open your mouth and start to worship. And I opened my mouth, started to worship, and out came tongues. That's how it, and that's how I realized I've been filled with God's power. And it's never stopped since then. And, and that was my, a moment. Now, there was no lightning. There was no tongues of fire. It was just the moment when that happened for me. And for you, it may have been a different time and different situation. Now, this is the important thing. Um, A.W. Tozer. Now, I like Tozer. You may never have heard of Tozer. He was a writer, really beginning of last century. So he'd be quite an old man if he was still alive now. He'd be about 125 or 30, but he died in the 60s. But he wrote loads of stuff about the power of God. He was a very well-respected writer. And, he, and, you know, this is going back to a generation way before us. And he said this, refuse to be average. Refuse to be average. In my sober judgment... The relation of the spirit to the believer is the most vital question the church faces today. The spirit-filled life is not a special deluxe edition of Christianity. It is part of the total plan of God for his people. And yet we live as though some of us will live like, I don't want to really work like that. (laughs) Maybe you're frightened. Maybe you're... Maybe you're just disconnected somehow. I need to reconnect us all today. This meeting's about really reconnecting us in the power of the Holy Spirit. Whether you know him already or you don't, we're going to do some connecting. And now, see, all of this is about that the Holy Spirit is given to us by God. He is God himself so that we know what's going on. <laughs> That's it. His primary role is to help us know what's going on. And the Holy Spirit talks about the future so he's not only telling us about what's happening, but what's about to happen. That's why when I stand up and I say, the Holy Spirit said to me a new thing's happening, I know what I'm talking about because I know he said that. And I know because I've heard him say things in the past and I know they're, they're valid and they're true and they've been proved time and time again in my life. So I know when God is speaking to me. I know it. I'm not, I don't second guess it and think, did he or didn't he? I know when he's spoken to me. And that's what the Holy Spirit's work is, to give us that confidence that we know when he's speaking to us. So we're not stuck like orphans and thinking, oh God, are you there? Are you there? Are you not there? Are you in my job? Are you in my situation? Are you in the church? You know, <laughs> yes. 
He's in it. And not only that, he wants you to know that he's trying to speak to you and he is speaking to you. But maybe we're just not hearing. So today, let's get our hearing cleared up. And, and you know, whatever it's going to be, maybe it's a miracle. And the power of God, I've just got a couple of more minutes before we stop this. We have a song. But um, I'm going to jump out of Acts 19 and jump to Acts 8. It's the outside of Pentecost. Well, I love Acts 8. I've preached on it before um, in Ethiopia and other countries. And I've seen God move. In Acts 8, Philip started life as a servant leader in Jerusalem. Right? Remember that. He started serving the church as it was growing in Jerusalem. And then there was a huge persecution, and God scattered the believers through that persecution. And he ended up on his own in Samaria. This guy who was a servant man, who had heart after God, and it says he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, uh, and highly regarded by the people. And he just ends up being guided by God in Samaria. And there's a brilliant set of storylines in Acts 8 about how he's spoken to by an angel and then by God and the Holy Spirit. And he ends up going out. And in the middle of what you might call a revival, God says, no, time to leave. Go see the Ethiopian eunuch. You know, he didn't know who that was, but the Holy Spirit led him to Azotus. Amazing story there. But um, it says here, that this is his encounter. You see, they started to call him an evangelist now. So he stopped being called a server, but now he gets called an evangelist because he starts taking a few steps of faith. It says, that verse 6, The crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims, and many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. So this man who just served, faithfully, good-hearted, suddenly God's changed, changed it. He's now not just serving because he's serving. He's serving because he's been obedient to hearing God. Now a whole new dynamic. I mean, the life of Philip is just amazing. I, I love it. And actually, in, in Acts 8, is the most times you read about the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is only mentioned a few times in other chapters. In this one, it's seven times. Do you see the power? When God gets hold of someone who's got a servant heart, it just transforms. And that's us. God takes hold of serving people and empowers them to see things they've never done before. And the supernatural broke out. And in Acts 1.8, you know, I'll just remind us, you will receive power and the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be my witnesses. That's what happened. It went from serving to being power-packed in terms of encounter. You know, we were in Austria, Liz and I, earlier on in the summer, and, and I asked a few people if they'd get prophetic words, and I took a few with me, and at the right time, dropped them into the meetings. And one person in particular gave me a couple of really strong prophetic words, but they were illustrations of what God might do. And funny enough, they were the prophetic word for that particular meeting. And, I, and I, I, it was just amazing. Um, a load of people came out for healing, which overwhelmed me. I thought there was going to be about three or four. It turned, I think it was, what, 15 or 20, something like that, came out. I'm thinking, I can't, we haven't got time to pray for all these people to be healed. So I said, let's just stand in the circle, put your hands on each other's shoulders and pray for the person next to you. Okay, in Jesus' name, be healed. Okay, how many of you just got healed? Half of them put their hands up and they went and sat down. Okay, the circle got smaller. Let's pray again. See, I love praying more than once. I've noticed that you pray more than once. You just need an indication that God's doing something. And so this little sort of circle, everyone's in the room. The little circle got a bit smaller and... Prayed again, Jesus' name, be healed. God, bring freedom for people's pain and aches and all about that. How, how many people have been healed? Half of them said, yeah, it's gone. Pain's gone. So they went and sat down. That just left three or four people at the front with specific 
needs. And we prayed into those and, and God moved powerfully through them. I was more astonished than they were. But, you know, our job is not to be the miracle worker. Okay, let's just take that out of the equation. Our, God is to be, our job is to be the post person. You deliver God's message to the person who needs it. That's what we do. When we pray for people, what we're doing is say, it's his power, not mine. It's, this letter's come from him, and it's for you. Uh, it's not whether or not I'm the hero. It's all about whether he's the hero. And the trouble is we get it all wrong. We, we make it about whether I've got, got it. It's not got anything to do with you. You weren't even, it's not, you're not even saved because of you. You're saved because of Jesus and because of the Holy Spirit, right? All you had to do was say, all right, yes. You know, that's all you had to do was say yes. And now it all starts to happen. In this case, when it comes to the power of the Holy Spirit, it's the same thing. Okay, yes, I'll deliver the message. And that's what we do. So um, I'm just going to read one last, show you just one last illustration. Not illustration, this is my thing, and then we're going to pray. So worship team, if you, if you just come up here, we're going to have a song, and then we're going to go straight into this. I want to just tell you this. If you're thinking, well, what power are we talking about? I'm just going to remind us. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 to 11. We're not reading the verses. I'm just going to remind us that the spiritual gift, a spiritual gift is given to each of us. Not selected people, but to each of us. Every one of us has got God's gifting in us. So that we can help each other. It's not so that you can be a big person. So that we can be a superhero. It's so that you can help each other. The ability, and, and the Holy Spirit will give to each according to his own plan. He'll give the ability to have a message of special knowledge, word of knowledge. Um, to have great faith. And we'll need some people with great faith in this church. Because we're going to have some huge things going on in the future. You'll need big faith. But to others, the gift of healing, right? It doesn't attach great faith with the gift of healing. Did you notice that? Gift of healing isn't attached to great faith. It's just, a, it's just one of those gifts. The power to perform miracles is just another, another gift that the Holy Spirit gives to us as he chooses. The ability to prophesy, the ability to discern a message if it's from God or another spirit. The gift of discernment. The ability to speak in an unknown language. Now, I think... And from the scriptures, we know that we can all speak in tongues if the Holy Spirit's in us. And the ability to interpret what is being said. And, the, and the, only, the one and only Spirit distributes all these gifts. It's not the pastor. It's not the life group leader. It's not the elder. It's, it's the Holy Spirit. It's all about him. It's all about Jesus. He alone decides which gift each person should have. But... We're all given the ability by faith to pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. So that means, so when we go to Macedonia and other places, it happened the Sunday before I went to, to uh, India in between some stuff, um, someone was healed. And that was amazing. So we're going to stand right now. And then we're, I want you to be thinking right now, what is it that God wants me to do about this message? God wants you to do something about this message. We're going to sing a song. And then I'm going to invite people to come to the front. We're going to lay hands, maybe to be filled with the Spirit, maybe for a healing. Um, there's going to be a few people who've already been praying and fasting this week, so there will be God's hands and feet for you. So, so we're going to worship now, get stuck into this, and then we will go forward and we'll do some ministry.